You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey queers, this is season four, episode five of Thesis on Joan with Harrow and Megan. And today we're talking queer shows we've seen and some upcoming queer shows. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join us as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folks, both on stage and behind the curtain. For many queers, theater has been an escape, and this podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're headed as a community while queering the canon along the way. Hey, Megan, we're back. We're very close to Pride Month now. Uh, maybe you're listening to this in Pride Month. Happy Pride. Woo! Yeah. So I know I know the answer to this question, so it's kind of cheating, but I <laughs> I wondered, um, perchance, do you have any new queer roots that you want to share uh, with our listeners? It's, like, great when a queer root just, like, hits you. Like, you know, <laughs> there's, like, things buried so deep inside, you know, and you're like, this is a good thing to happen. <laughs> um, but, yes, I got the chance to see the City Center uh, production, Encore's production of Oliver, um, which was excellent. Mm-hmm. I, you know how sometimes you like see musicals when you're a kid and then you're like, I liked that, but I was like seven, you know, <laughs> I was like, Oh, it actually like, it's, it's a, it's a fun show. It's weird, but uh-huh. it, it's a fun show. Um, but anyway, as I'm watching it, I remembered <laughs> that when I saw this production in high school, I think I was like 13 or 14 and I was on this thing called the Teen Advisory Library Board, which I know I explained to you in depth, but for our our listeners, you basically like got to go to the library on the weekend, eat pizza and pick books for the library, which was fantastic. It's a dream. It's a dream come true. Like, I wish we could do that now. Like maybe NYPL needs like a queer advisory board. I don't know. I volunteer. Um, (laughs) So the... um. The woman who headed up the board was like a very cool, like young teen librarian, like had like an undercut. And this is like in 2000, like two or three, Damn, right? So wow. pre undercut popularity days. Um, so she was in a community theater production of Oliver, like very small. And I was like, I like musicals. Mom, we should go see this. And we went and I did not know she was going to be playing the artful Dodger in drag. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it definitely like did some things to me. I remember being like very <laughs> into Oliver after that, like 
for my piano lessons, I like learned like the song he sings to Nancy, like on the piano and like, (laughs) it's all clicking now. Like why I was so obsessed with that character. I mean, it's not even like a fully written character. It's like pretty basic, but I was Mm. like, oh, because it was a drag performance basically. (laughs) It's incredible. Yeah. And Dodger's like in love with Nancy and Nancy's like this voluptuous like woman who's always around. And I'm like, this is, it all makes sense. You know? (laughs) Incredible. Incredible queer theater route. I love it. Yeah. No one would have thought Oliver queer theater (laughs) route. (laughs) It makes so much sense. Uh, I just, I thought of one kind of. So when I was younger, I was in A Mall on the Night Visitors, which is an opera. I don't, I know nothing about that. It's, it's an opera. <laughs> I played a mall, uh, the first time. Whoa, was, the titular like, character. Yeah. It was like one, it's like one of the only like lead roles I've ever had, but I was really young. I was like probably like 10 and oh, wow. in an opera. <laughs> it was probably <laughs> terrible, but, um, this, there was one other like younger person in the show. The rest was all adults and that person plays the page. Um, and it was this, this girl, Blythe, who was like a few years older than me. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I had a huge crush on her. Sure. Um, and I remember she like, she, the page was supposed to be a boy and she like bound her chest. And I remember it's like five years later, mm-hmm. they did it again, the show again. And I got to play the page this time. And I was really excited. I was like, I'm going to bind my chest like twice. Wow. And they were like, Oh no, you, you don't really need to do that. They're like, you're my- doing too much. <laughs> They're like, your chest, like they were trying to be so delicate about it, basically being like, your chest is much smaller than hers was. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But I was so disappointed. And I'm like, oh, now I'm like, that's why I took this role. Yeah. Wait, why is this show being done so often? I, it's like a very Christian Christmassy show. Got it. The story is a, a mall. The night visitors are the three kings. Oh, on I the know way. what this is now. Yeah. Yes. On uh-huh. the way to go like visit baby Jesus on his birthday. Um, <laughs> they stopped at a mall's house to get like dinner and entertainment. <laughs> and, I don't know why a mall's uh, house is so funny to me. <laughs> like a mall's having a mall. house party. <laughs> <laughs> but then, oh yeah. Cause the mall like has, is just, is physically disabled. There's something with his like foot or something. So. He magically gets cured by the end of oh, the opera Lord. where he walks. Uh, and then he's like, I have to take my crutch to the, the baby Jesus. So oh my <laughs> he God. goes with the kings to <laughs> give the crutch to Jesus. Um, oh, that's not holding up today, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine we'd be recommending that Yeah, show, probably right not. Now. But I remember the music pretty well. But yeah, Queer Roots. A, a very unexpected Queer Root as a Christian show. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, man. We, well, thank you to Blythe and the Teen Advisory Board lady who I yes. don't remember oh, <laughs> her name, but find she her. was great. I know. I still need to track down my Chicago Mama Morton yeah. one day. Anyway, it's hard jumping from that. that was, I know. That was, thank you for that question. That was fun. <laughs> Should we jump into, let's jump into show discussions. Let's we- do it. <laughs> We got to see two shows uh, we're going to talk about today, Some Like It Hot and White Girl in Danger. Yeah, so we got to see Some Like It Hot together um, in the Schubert, which I haven't been in since oh, we determined this. We Well, no, the Schubert's where we met. We should talk yes. about that. 
<laughs> yes. I mean, we already discussed our, our, uh, mm-hmm. origin story in an earlier episode, but we, Megan and I did meet there at a TDF autism friendly performance of Matilda. Mm-hmm. Even though I pretended not to know who you were because we were going on a date. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like the next week, but here we are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Like eight years later? <laughs> so at least we're yeah. doing well. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, yeah. I think it's probably the first time we were in the Schubert together since Absolutely. that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this show, I feel like it, when did it, it opened late summer, early, early fall. And I think we had both been scared off a little bit early, just knowing kind of the content of the show. And mm-hmm. it had been called out in that article about men in dresses, uh, that we talked about in the fall. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but I kind of had like no interest in seeing it for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. I felt like Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire and I didn't see either of those shows. So yeah, I wasn't like really gunning to see this one either. Mm-hmm. I think it shifted for me when I started hearing other people going to see it and kind of recommending it to me. And also that it won or it not, it got nominated for a bunch of Tonys. And yeah, I was like, Oh, I want to be able to talk about this show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, I think we actually, uh, requested press tickets before the nominations even came out. And so mm-hmm. like once that came out, I was like, okay, good. I'm glad we're seeing this. But same people whose opinions I trusted started saying like, I think you, maybe they changed it or maybe, I don't know. Something mm-hmm. shifted in the word of mouth that I was like, okay, I feel like I need to see this now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad I got to see it because I, I do want to talk about it because I think it feels, it's, it's complicated. That's to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, um, I don't, what were you interested in or excited about coming into this show? I was excited for the dancing. I, I think I thought it was a revival at first mm-hmm. when we saw it. And then after reading more about it, I'm like, oh no, it's a remake of an old movie with Marilyn right. Monroe. I almost said Manson. Um, that'd be a very different movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so this new musical has a book by Matthew Lopez and Amber Ruffin, music by Mark Shaman and lyrics by Scott Whitman and Mark Shaman. Yeah. So I was excited for the dancing, I think, and to see like what, how the queer and trans representation of in the show. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of the dancing, it was directed and choreographed by Casey Nicola, and we know that he never disappoints with, like, blowout choreography. So it definitely delivered on that front. Like, Absolutely. tap dancing? I haven't seen tap dancing like that in a show in years. Yeah, it was exciting to see that. It's it's interesting because I just watched – I just rewatched Singing in the Rain, and I was – telling our friend Kirsten, I'm like, oh, no one like taps like this anymore. And I still feel like the, like the, that level of style and caliber wasn't there, but yeah, I, I love a good tap musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a tap number near the end of this. It's like, it's one of those, like this, your smile, you're just smiling the whole time. Cause you're like, wow, I can't believe mm-hmm. this is still happening. <laughs> they, just keep, <laughs> they just keep tapping. Um, <laughs> And it did feel, I, I felt the same way. I was like, I feel like this is a revival. It's like when they did the, um, the Cinderella a few years ago mm. where it's like, this already existed and we just like put some new songs in it and like changed the book up and now it's a new musical. So yeah. The Laura Osnes one. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I was most excited to see, um, Jay Harrison Gee and like, wow, what oh a performance. Gosh. Incredible. <laughs> 
I could watch them just do anything on stage all day, like hours and hours. The presence that they have and just talk about a triple, quadruple threat, like the dancing, Mm -hmm. the singing, the acting, like it was all just there. They're just such a star. Yeah, you can't like take your eyes off of them regardless of like what moment of the show they're in, how they're dressed. Like even at the beginning when they're wearing like the the suit you know what mm-hmm. i mean and it, I, you can tell they're supposed to be kind of like subdued outfits i'm still like obsessed with watching them <laughs> yeah it's a really beautiful performance mm-hmm. and you know i i love i love christian borrell but this was a tough one for me this is hard yeah <laughs> I've, I've been a fan of his you know for a long time because i feel like he does such great like comedic bits and um, has such good timing and stage presence, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where it's coming from. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's coming from the direction. I don't know if it's coming from, it's definitely coming from the costume design yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent, but it was a very cringy, troubling, problematic, harmful performance. Yeah. Did you see that he also, he's credited with like additional material? Oh Lord. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure some of like the jokes were his. Um, yeah. 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 So that's troubling. You know, it's, there's going to be lots of spoilers in this conversation for both mm-hmm. shows, just a heads up. But so it starts with the song Vamp where the two, Christian and Jay Harrison's character are like getting into dresses and wigs to hide from these uh, like gangsters who they saw murder someone and it plays right into that trope of like men in dresses are funny and the butt of jokes and you know it immediately goes to this place of like hyper feminization and like how funny that is and like how mm-hmm. ridiculous they look yeah and and I don't know how that how that sat okay with the creators and within minutes they're like you know flirting with women in drag and they're yeah. in bathrooms and drag. I'm like, Oh no, it's hitting all of the things that, you know, there's yeah. panic about. And I know we talked about this when we were at the show, but the thing that's the most troubling is the audience reaction to these moments mm-hmm. because it's just going back to that article that I know we keep bringing up all year, but Regardless of the intention, uh, the way that it is being received is not, it's, it's harmful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Christian Borle just like makes a feminine pose and everyone's bursting out laughing just because it's a man in a dress. You Mm -hmm. know, there's, there isn't even like a line delivered and it's, I was kind of, you know, even on a Wednesday night, the Mm -hmm. audience was overwhelmingly like poking fun at this. Yeah. And I definitely want to bring up, yeah, the bathroom part where the two, uh, Christian and Jay Harrison's character are in a bathroom with a cis woman and Christian's character kind of starts like hitting on her and it just like brings up this trope of like predatory men in dresses, like going into women's bathrooms to like, you know, take advantage of women and, and, like there's so much legislation and hate against trans folks and and with bathrooms and it's just uh why why don't would feel you do this yeah yeah and it's it's that weird thing where I feel like if we had seen this show this revival like 15 20 years ago both characters would be the Christian Borrow character yeah and I think because they have an amazing well performed character like Daphne played by Jay Harrison Gee, 
like they, they feel like it cancels it out. You know, yeah. there's like that weird thing. It's like, oh, we're giving you this performance. It is like kind of a beautiful journey of someone figuring out who they are. Mm-hmm. But just because that exists doesn't make the other aspects of the show any less problematic. Yeah, exactly. And it was hard because like I love Jay Harrison's performance. I, I thought the story of Daphne was pretty well done. And like, you know, mm-hmm. that's not my experience. So I'm sure others have other thoughts. But from the trans representation we do have on Broadway, it felt like a more respectful uh, portrayal of a trans woman's story mm-hmm. or a trans person's story. I feel like the other thing that was hard too was like it, the problematic things were kind of front loaded. So mm. I feel like the beginning of the show was the most like upsetting. And then the second act, like there was some, I, I don't want to say redemption because you can't redeem like the things that were done. But the second act, if I'd only seen the second act, mm-hmm. I would have probably not had as many issues with Christian Burrell's character. Absolutely. He was also not in a dress for much more of act two. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. I did. I thought the lines about his age were funny. Um, I, <laughs> I did too. I was like, oh no, is this like bad ageism? But I was like, no, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it's also funny because like Angie Schwarr was also in the like ensemble of women. Yeah. And I she must be older than him, right? But she looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Angie is ageless. Yes. Yeah. That was a, a highlight getting to see her in something too. Oh, yes. And she got to do her... Uh, Lots of zazz in that performance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like, she has some killer lines that like bring the house <laughs> down. <laughs> I just loved her playing the drum set with like a cigarette. She always has a cigarette like hanging out mm-hmm. of her mouth. It's great. Yeah. She's a great, uh, ensemble performance, but I think the other standout performance that I was just obsessed with was Natasha Yvette Williams, who mm-hmm. plays Sue, um, the leader of the band. Like, mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. She had some great comedic lines and timing as well. Mm -hmm. And like kind of kept the Christian Boyle character in in his place. Yeah. (laughs) Which was good. She, did she read queer to you? Absolutely. With those like sparkly pantsuit outfits. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I was kind of hoping that that might be a reveal that happened, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, her costuming was awesome. Yeah, all the, I love the costumes. What gorgeous pieces. Except for Christian Barles. Yes, Amazing. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they made him look, like, frumpy and terrible on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, like, it was, like, lazy drag. But I know that was on purpose. Yeah. It's just, yeah. But the costuming for... uh Jay Harrison? Yeah. Like, wow. They looked incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think they would look amazing in anything. Though, that's true. Honestly. That's true. But yeah, those are beautiful costumes. Did you see they went to the Met Gala? I did. They <sighs> looked amazing. So cool. Yeah. So pretty. Yeah. I would love to talk to Jay Harrison too and like hear their perspective on being in this show and like what they feel about the other representation. And they've also been in, um, they were in Kinky Boots and they were mm-hmm. in Mrs. Doubtfire. So I'm like, where is the perspective there? I would, I would love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when all of, well, Kinky Boots, they probably went into it late, but with Doubtfire and this, like creating a new show with these identities, like what mm-hmm. is, what was the process there? And like looking at the creative team, like I don't really see any, 
trans folks, right? I don't know. No. Not not in the major creatives anyway. I just went back and reread that article that Scott Whitman and Mark Shaman did with Playbill about mm-hmm. like, oh, they've read your concerns about like the trans representation. Mm-hmm. And basically they're like, oh, we grew up with all these trans performers and like this is like an homage to them. But I don't think you nailed it guys like it's still pretty harmful and it's great they brought in matthew lopez and amber ruffin to do the book um two people of color which uh i think especially is important because they they changed the character of sugarcane from you know marilyn monroe to a black woman Mm -hmm. um so they it was great they have another black woman on the on the writing team but they could have done that with the trans representation too yeah definitely I feel like Shaman and Whitman don't care. Yeah, absolutely not. They're going to do whatever they want. And they're going to write, I have to admit, some pretty catchy songs in the process. So Yeah, the the music was fun. Did you have a favorite moment in the show? I mean, I I like the tap, Mm. but I feel like my favorite moment is um, the song where Daphne really, like, comes into her own. Mm. That you could have knocked me over with a feather. Yeah. Cause you just got to see the joy in that moment and, uh, Jay Harrison got to show off their range and Mm -hmm. it was, it was awesome. How about you? Uh, yeah, that song definitely was a highlight. And then also the, the epic, epic chase scene at the Mm -hmm. end just had me like, there are still problematic parts to it, unfortunately, but like, it just had me smiling like from ear to ear the whole time and just like amazed by the choreography and that it was still going <laughs> nonstop. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I, I mean, this is, it's got all the ingredients to do well. I'm sure it will do killer on tour. Oof. That, that, the tour freaks me out way more. Like, yeah. cause I'm like, this is going to be all over the country and. It's not a New York audience and yeah, the audience is going to be even more like fed these tropes and these dangerous ideas about men in dresses and like, ugh, it makes me very upset yeah. that, yeah, those audiences are going to experience this. <sighs> <laughs> I will, I mean, overall, like with the exception of that performance aside, I enjoyed a lot of the time during it. Like I enjoyed a lot of my experience mm-hmm. at the show. So yeah, I did too. I like when Christian Borrow wasn't on stage, it was lovely mm-hmm. or n- not in a dress, I guess. Um, a line I never thought I'd agree to because I, I really do love Christian Borrow. <laughs> like he's one of my favorite performers. So it's, mm-hmm. and I can see why he was chosen for this um, because of the comedy of it. But maybe that character just doesn't need to exist in that way at all like even the things that character does in regards to treatment of women is problematic (laughs) like beyond the drag stuff it's still messy yeah and then she still ends up with him after he's like deceived her so many times i'm so mad (laughs) end up with sue (laughs) sugar and sue ship sugar and sue That would have really redeemed it for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I also love that this movie is just the plot of Sister Act, um, but in a very different setting. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> this, is just, this is a white man's Sister Act. <laughs> yeah, I do really love Sister Act. So, <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. I think it's going to clean up a lot at the Tonys because of the production value of it alone. So, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, another aspect that made me cringe was like the millionaire character mm-hmm. osgood mm-hmm. 
And like his obsession with Daphne made me very nervous. I was so scared. Um, yeah. Like that, it like ended happily, but like it's so easily like could have ended, you know, Daphne has no power in that situation at all. And like, who knows how he could have reacted to her or like, even if like he was okay with her being a trans woman, like he still has all the power totally. and like, you know, as a young black woman, like he could have done anything with her. It was very scary. I was worried when they went to Mexico. I was like, what's going to happen here? Yeah. <laughs> Are we ever going to see Daphne again? Yeah, it ended up okay, but the introduction was a little, I don't know. And then they yeah. left you for intermission and I'm like, this is not going to go well, but yeah, I don't know. Daphne's happy in the end. So yeah, I just want Daphne to be yeah. happy. But it's running. It's there at the Schubert. <laughs> Go check it out. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I think it will be there for a while. So, yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, switching over to the other show we got to see. What a shift. (laughs) Something very different. Um, So we got the chance to see White Girl in Danger, which we first heard about over a year ago when Michael R. Jackson was on our podcast and telling us that this was the next thing he had in development. Even though he told us a little bit on the show about it, I still feel like I went into this completely unaware of what I was about to witness. How about you? Yeah, I had heard about, like, the length and that it was very different mm-hmm. from Strange Loop. And I knew that it was, like, about soaps. And I, I think I said this in the last episode. I asked my friend who saw it. I'm like, oh, is it queer? Should we talk about it? And they are like, would Michael R. Jackson do something that wasn't queer? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very queer. <laughs> yeah. Queer in, like, the way that, like, just by being, like, camp is queer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not, like it's pushing a queer plot line or anything like yes. that. I mean, it did a little. That's true. We'll <laughs> talk about those moments. Yeah. Wait, first, okay, Megan. Yeah. Ooh. How did you feel as a Megan whose also spelling wasn't represented in the show? True. All Megans matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, good. What was that experience like? I mean, accurate, right? Like, I was like, this is incredible. Like, I think from the very beginning, they start the productions and I'm like, oh, look, there's a Megan. I'm like, wait, there's, 
another one. There's another. So we have three Megans. So the the first act of this show is kind of like Saved by the Bell vibes, teen after school drama, and it follows a character who is from quote unquote the background. So they're trying to break into the the white storyline, um, the all white storyline, and that involves hanging out with these three characters named. Megan, or it's Megan, Megan, and Megan. And I was like, yes. this is so funny because I really, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's always been so many other Megans around my whole life. So I was like, this is, <laughs> this is accurate. Um, but yeah, I felt honored to be like derided by Michael or Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and the world is like set up. It's not like, the Keisha, who's the, the main, mm-hmm. they're our protagonist is like an actor trying to get into like a soap opera. It's like they are in this like TV world where it's very like meta. Yeah. It's almost like someone has a dollhouse and they're playing with the characters and the dolls can like speak to you. Like that was kind of how yeah. I started to, to, or like someone's Barbies you know, or like enacting with you. I don't know. Yeah. Cause it's also like they, especially the background characters. They're kind of like off camera a bit where they like can talk where they're not like the focus and like can comment on like what's happening in all white. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not like they're in a TV show at that time. Yeah. It's like weirdly everyone's omniscient. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) I can't even imagine the writing process for this. Like it's so involved and intricate and there's so many things happening. I think it took me like a good half hour to even like kind of feel comfortable figuring out what I was experiencing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I also, oh, I have to shout out that I saw a very understudy heavy performance. Oh, um, I saw some too. Who did you see? Yeah. Uh, I saw Keisha was played by Alexis Cofield. Oh. Tarek was out and Caroline, I think was the other one. I saw an understudy for Caroline too. Okay. But the, the big deal was, uh, Abilene, was played by LaDonna Burns, who typically understudies Nell, the mom, and she doesn't cover that track at oh all. Oh my god. So she just went on like kind of blind. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. And she killed it. In that show? Like I can't right? imagine going, <laughs> oh my god. She, yeah. And like I didn't really, she comes on, she, you know, she's one of the three kind of like. The trio of black round characters. Yeah. Yeah, and uh she had note cards for any time there were like oh my scenes with lines. Uh so I'm like, oh, she must be like really new or like, you know, this is her first time going on. Like I've never seen that before, I don't think. And then I looked on social media after I got home and I'm like, wow, she does not cover that role at all. That's super impressive. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. It was it was pretty awesome. So yeah, LaDonna Burns, you're amazing. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, I saw the understudy for Caroline in, and then, um, Megan White, the one who's like the all black hates her mom was oh, understudy. So she was my favorite Megan. She was great in this one too. <laughs> so, uh, shout out to, uh, Natalie Walker, who was in for Megan White. She was great. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah. That show is exhausting. I can't imagine yeah. doing that eight times a week. I mean, it's exhausting to watch. Like I, I texted, our friend Carolyn after, I was like, every time mm. I see a Michael R. Jackson show, I feel like I just crammed for a test and I'm not prepared. Like, I just like, <laughs> there's so much to absorb that I, 
you know, and without a song list and without like the yeah. cast album available anywhere, I was like, I miss so much. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so fast. It's so high energy. There's a lot like the lyrics are so dense too mm-hmm. that I, I know I miss things in the lyrics. Yeah. It's incredibly like academic, you know, like it's definitely mm-hmm. like he's presenting a thesis to you. I will say at the beginning, so the two acts are very different. The first act with like the teen drama, I was personally having a little bit of a tricky time, even though I know it's camp and it's played up for effect with the Megan who's experiencing eating disorder. It was like yeah. difficult for me to watch yes. that. <laughs> Uh, yes, it was also very difficult for me. And again, like hearing the audience reaction to it yeah. was hard. It was like anytime she was like displaying symptoms, like everyone would like start laughing. And, you know, we always know, which I love about him, but Michael R. Jackson is always kind of manipulating the audience reaction, which we'll talk about more later. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that part of that was to see how people will react to these things. Mm-hmm. Um but it also made me think, like, why am I more uncomfortable with this than the mm-hmm. other Megan storylines? You know, the one with the relationship abuse was also difficult. But the one yeah. who was, like, you know, substance abuse and hating her family, I, like, mostly laughed at that. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, what is it, like, about me personally that I find some of these things acceptable to make fun of and others not mm-hmm. so much? So I think it's also, like, society knows how bad the other two are. Like, mm-hmm. it's... Like, people know it's not a joke if you're in an abusive domestic, you know, violence situation or if, like, you're abusing medication. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, eating disorders are still seen as kind of, like, the butt of the joke and not serious uh, disorders that can – that kill people and, like, definitely impact the LGBT community stronger than others. So, yeah, I think that's what it is also for me. So, I don't – yeah, I don't really know what to, like, think about that part, but I felt like I wanted to voice that. Yeah. But, like, the plot also in the first act is that people keep getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the main character, Keisha, wants so badly to, like, assimilate and be accepted into the all-white community in the story that she's like, oh, how I do that is to be murdered by the all-white right. killer. And then she starts exhibiting all of these, like, terrible traits of the the Megans to, like, kind of manipulate the situation. In very amazing manipulation, like Keisha mm-hmm. gets what she wants by the second act. So yeah, I I do think that I wish the first act had been cut a little down. Also because I I don't understand the soap references and a lot of the TV nope. and like name references that Michael made. That's just not my generation or like what the entertainment I grew up with. So I think. So much of that was lost on me. And you know they're there because there was some really good musical theater Easter eggs. Not that I can name them off the top of mm-hmm. my head, but like a few of them are like, oh, that's a deep cut. So you know if there's yeah. deep cuts of that, like Carolyn was telling me that there was like Taylor Swift jokes and stuff. And I was like, wow. I did not get those. <laughs> so, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure every line has like 50 layers of references to it. That's but, incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to see, um, yeah, like an annotated version of the whole book good idea yeah <laughs> michael you're free right yeah. put that together yeah, please. produce that please <laughs> oh my gosh uh it reminded me of, of the like the gospel play part of uh strange loop mm-hmm. it just kind of felt like that for like the whole show like but it was kind of that tone and energy and focusing more on especially the first act like a white uh community mm-hmm. yeah it it definitely like you could tell it was the same creator but it was like a more frantic <laughs> 
<laughs> Strange Loop is pretty frantic at points, and this mm-hmm. was like revved up a thousand notches. Yeah. Also, another play. You know, I, we're spoiling things, um, and sadly, this will be closed um, in the next couple weeks. But another play that pretty much takes place in someone's head, right? I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think that. I thought it was more of like a meta world. Oh, because of the the all white the director. Yeah, the all white creator. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. And I feel like we we gotta talk about that part of the play where it all just kind of oh, like yeah. breaks down. That was my favorite part of the show. <laughs> yeah. So this character Clarence, who's kind of he's a one of the background uh, characters. He's kind of like been the like magical Negro trope throughout the whole show of like coming through with his broom as like a custodian and like offering state words of sage wisdom to the main character. Clarence is played by James Jackson Jr. who is also in Strange Loop. So Yeah. And is excellent. And then he kind of becomes the mouthpiece for Michael R. Jackson. Yeah. That part was amazing. Like I need to read that speech like fifty times and absorb it and just yes. break it down. But the whole like trying to center other people but ending up centering yourself and at the end of it and what that means and I feel like I can't talk intelligently about this because <laughs> because Michael is just such a genius and it's you know mm-hmm. not a not a play for me. I'm just happy to be able to experience it. Yeah. It felt like that was like the core of the of the message of the like the thesis of the show and I I just wish we had gotten there like a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do wish it was like kind of woven more throughout. Maybe it's because it wanted to have that big fourth wall break like shock value mm-hmm. moment. Which it did accomplish that. Absolutely. And again, my favorite thing about Michael is audience manipulation and, uh, the character of Nell, the mother has that mm. incredible song oh. where she just like belts her ass off. I don't, yeah. I don't know about your performance, but everyone was standing. No, not everyone was standing, but like several people were. Yeah. People yeah. were standing. She's people incredible. are yelling. She's amazing. Yeah, Nell is played by Tara Connor-Jones, and she was incredible. Incredible. Um, So you have this moment where you're like, oh, wow, what a great cathartic moment. We all reacted to this. You know, it was wonderful. And then you get to the all-white creators monologue and talks about how, like, having black women stand on stage and sing is like a form of servitude in the modern world. And you're all just Mm -hmm. like, oh, I did it again. He got me again. (laughs) I applauded. I shouted. I loved it. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah. And the call out of Carolina Chains. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Did people gasp at your performance? Yes. gasped. Yeah. And applauded. (laughs) Yeah. That was, yeah, no holds barred. I love it. Um, Yeah. I mean, we know Michael is not shy away from calling things out mm-mm. by name. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a lot more in that that I missed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also – I was looking at the playbill and I was reading um, LaDonna Burns, who I said, you know, has played the role that she doesn't normally cover. Mm-hmm. So she normally covers Nell, the mom. Mm-hmm. So – and uh, in her history, she's played Caroline. Oh, in wow. Caroline or Change. Yeah. So I also would have loved to see her do that. Yeah. too. It definitely is, just like Strange Loop, a show that lends itself really well to, I'd love to go back and see other people do the roles because you could Mm -hmm. bring so much of a different interpretation, I feel like, depending on who's in the role. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and the and the character of Nell is like described as like a mammy character, and she's like really in the background, uh, like the background of the show for the most of the first three quarters, I would say. And then she, you know, starts as the like a lunch lady, and then she becomes a nurse, and she like slowly like kind of builds into more powerful roles until she kind of she takes over the show and eventually becomes kind of the show's writer. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, is what, I don't know, that's what Michael is like hoping to see more of, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the whole thing is like centering Black women on stage Mm -hmm. and writing. I I also appreciated how, having just talked to Daniel um, about Once Upon a Korean Time and like, fuck it, let's make something that's unproducible. I I loved that about (laughs) this show. You know, you could tell like, the Megans come out as unicorns on a chariot. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you can tell that he was like, I don't care. I'm putting it in <laughs> and you can yep. figure it out. <laughs> oh, we should talk about the, the queer Megan. Oh uh, yes. And, yes. <laughs> that came out of nowhere for me. <laughs> that was great. I loved the whole part of, they just don't put lesbians in things anymore, which I kind of agree with. <laughs> so. Yeah. I like that Michael is championing more lesbian representation too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and like, I would, I would kind of wish it had gone like somewhere a little more, but like, you know, having a queer black woman protagonist is pretty badass. Mm-hmm. I, I wish we got there earlier too for that. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. It was in there eventually. It felt like a lot of like little vignettes at at the end. So that was like one of our vignettes. Mm. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take any queer yeah. <laughs> representation. We can have. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was nice. The line that really like stuck with me is Keisha was talking about, oh, at some point, like my race can't supersede my class privilege, something like that. But I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Cause I feel like, yeah, that is uh, an intersection that we haven't been able to like dive too much into mm-hmm. yet. Um, Cause we're still just like <laughs> trying to talk about intersectionality at the most basic level. That line got a lot of love when I was there too. Yeah. 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 It was, it was nice to be an audience that was like hanging on every word with the show too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll exist in another form. I hope. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like colleges across the country will be doing this show. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. I hope so. Yeah. Read it, you know, see whatever production you can. It's very interesting. Oh, this is something random. It's fine. Never mind. <laughs> no, good. What are you going to say? I wish that some of the other characters had been incorporated a little more. Like I wanted to know more about Tarek and I wasn't sure what his role in the show was, mm-hmm. but I, I would have liked a lot more of Tarek and a lot less of the Matthew Scott, Scott Matthew. Other guys. Yeah. I was like, I get the point of yeah. the white guys. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. they're all kind of the same and they're all different in scary ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was more just like a fresh prince, like stereotype basically <laughs> like mm-hmm. for the first act anyway. Yeah, and I think I would have like enjoyed seeing those stereotypes broken down a little more mm-hmm. in that in the second act. Again, I, I really want to see it and read it because I'm sure I missed a ton. So thanks, Michael, for continuing to write. Yeah, <laughs> keep doing it. Did you see they just announced uh, Teeth is going to be at Playwrights Horizons? Oh no! Oh, amazing! Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So <laughs> we have a, the next Michael R. Jackson piece coming up. So I don't have to be too sad like I was with Ryan. I'm like, oh man, yeah. I won't get to see anything new for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited for that. 
So we're excited to talk about some upcoming shows. And since we're heading into Pride Month, there are a ton of queer festivals and shows that are available in June, and we're going to shout some of those out now. Uh, including the Frigid Festival. Frigid's coming back to New York for the 2023 Queerly Festival. It's happening June 15th through July 3rd at Under St. Mark's in the Crane Theater. Queerly is Frigid New York's annual celebration of LGBTQA plus artists. They strive for diversity on and off stage, seeking out queer teams and artists of all kinds, as well as a wide range of shows and performances. Their goal is to provide a space for queer artists who've rarely or never seen their identities portrayed on stage and to be able to represent themselves and tell their stories their way, as well as to provide a space for queer celebration, pride, and strength. Most performances will also be available to live stream from home. We've also got new ambassadors theater companies, Blurring Boundaries 2023, that plunges into unexplored depths with seven boundary-pushing short plays amplifying LGBTQ+, BIPOC, and marginalized voices. Blurring Boundaries begins on Wednesday, June 14th for a limited engagement through Sunday, June 18th, and features seven short plays at the Hudson Guild Theater. Tickets are $35 and can be purchased online via newambassadorstheater.com. And then we've also got the Tank Annual Pride Fest. Every year in June, the Tank opens the floor to a wide variety of performances and discussions surrounding the topics of sexuality, gender, inequality, old battles, and new ways of fighting them. Now in its ninth year, Pride Fest will take place at the Tank, running June 16th through 25th, and will highlight work that celebrates the queer community and its healing, addresses challenges that are faced as we strive for rights, representation, and justice, and presents new ideas and perceptions on how we define ourselves individually, within our community, and in the global community at large. Tickets begin at $15 and available by visiting their website, which we'll link in the show notes. So we'd also like to shout out Foxes by Dexter Flanders. This is directed by James Hillier and begins performances in 59 East 59's Theater A on June 1st and opens June 7th for a run through July 2nd. Foxes follows Daniel, a young black man trying to keep up with his life in London's Caribbean community while balancing his own goals with his family's expectations. When his relationship with his best friend Leon brings an unexpected change, it creates turmoil bringing a taboo into his family home that has the power to tear the closest and most loving relationships apart. Foxes tackles the Black gay experience with tenderness and beautiful depth. All right. And as we head into our action of the ep, we are shouting out Black and Pink. Black and Pink is a nationwide pen pal program in which they match incarcerated LGBTQIA2 spirit plus people and people living with HIV AIDS with pen pals who correspond, build relationships and participate in harm reduction and affirmation. For an incarcerated LGBTQIA2 spirit plus person, corresponding with someone on a regular basis is itself a harm reduction strategy, giving that person a support network outside of prison. You can sign up through their website, blackandpinkpenpals.org, and you can sign up to find yourself two pen pals at a time. They limit it to two, so to make sure that you really uh, dedicate yourself to being an ongoing person in communication with them, and you can write them letters. I actually just did this recently, and I'm really excited. I hope that I get to hear back from the folks I wrote to and uh, start a dialogue with them. This is like a really easy way to practice harm reduction and hopefully support folks in our community. It's a great way to uplift our community during Pride Month this year, and I hope you'll join me. They offer really great tips and advice on how to reach out to folks and what to consider when writing them, and you can find that all on their website. All right, jumping into Queer Culture Rex. 
I am very excited to talk about mine. Do you remember Limpeka, the musical? It was at Williamstown and then it was in San Diego a couple, like a year or two ago. And then the pandemic happened because I feel like yes. it was coming in hot, but. Oh, mm-hmm. starring Eden Espinoza and Amber Imam is in it as well. And they have three songs on Spotify that are available to stream. And dear God, they're gorgeous, <laughs> especially the song Woman Is that Eden sings. Holy crap. It's like, <laughs> it's like light in the piazza level beautiful. Whoa. From you, that's high praise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I need you to listen to this right after this. And then it's Eden singing, who is always just so beautiful. Like, ugh. Her phrasing, her voice, I just, I love it so much. And it's queer. It's a beautiful love story about this painter who's in love with this woman. I didn't know it was queer. It's so queer. God. Two of the songs are from like the women in the main couple. Wow. Yeah. The third song's fine, but like the two songs, Stay and Women Is, are the two queer songs that are available and they're beautiful. Go listen to them. Okay, someone who listens to this has to know what's happening with Limpika. So if you know, please, please inform us. What's next? I feel so seen because in college, we had to like pick an image to do like a piece about. And I chose the image that she is singing about. Are you kidding? Yeah. Okay, you have to link to this image. What is it? I will. It's like, it's a portrait of like a woman. I don't know anything about visual art, but like the style is very kind of like Picasso-esque mm-hmm. kind of. I, I don't know. Wow. I, okay. I'm probably very wrong. No, no, But it's like a beautiful woman in this like gorgeous green dress and she's like curvy and uh, it's made up of all kind of like hard lines and shapes, but it's a beautiful painting and I don't, apparently I was like into it. Uh, I saw something. There's a queer root for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope we eventually find out why that image was in the show so I can <laughs> help you sort out why you chose it too. That's, yeah. That's wild. And, and I mean, it's based on a real painter. So. Okay. Wow. I need to look up. It's the queer Sunday in the park with George. <laughs> it's what we needed. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, I like kept hearing it was coming to Broadway and then everything. Oh, yeah. Who it knows? needs to. I will be so I will be there. The fact that it has music out makes me feel like they'll do something with it. But. I hope so. Bring Eden back to Broadway. Yeah, what's she Please. doing? Just hanging out somewhere? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a queer culture wreck for us? Yeah. Um, so this is a queer culture wreck that uh, we have been indulging in for some time, <laughs> as, as have <laughs> our friends. Um, but I just wanted to shout out Dyke Beer. They're doing the good work here in New York City. It was um, created by a queer team who just wanted more queer representation in the brewery scene, the bar scene. Um, you can go on their website, lovedykebeer.com, and it'll give you a map of all the places that Dyke Beer is available. They also do a lot of pop-ups too. Like I know they do like queer karaoke and I saw they were serving beer at self-defense classes, which I kind of love. Oh, that's awesome. That's a fun. Slash dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They only have, let's see, I think they have like four varieties out now. They started with just one, so they are expanding. Um, Sadly, they don't have like a tap room. I think they're a ghost brewery, so they brew at other people's tap 
tap rooms, which is mm. cool. But yeah, check out Dyke Beer. Follow their Instagram because they always are posting about cool bar takeovers and stuff. Yeah. I went to one of their events at You and Me Books and that was really fun. Yeah. And I think they just sell the beer there all the time too. Yeah. You can definitely get it like – Henrietta's and most of the gay bars, but it looks like on the map, it's available a ton of places. So awesome. Yeah. And the cans are very cute. They are. Yeah. They involve animals too, which (laughs) is great. Know what the dykes want. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, get a dyke beer, listen to Limpeka, put it on repeat. It's a perfect combo, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to see these shows and talk about them. Lots there to discuss. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah. And we're gearing up for Tony's and Pride Month, so more to come. Talk to you soon, queers. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like, please follow, rate, and review us and share us with your friends. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Thesis on Joan. We love to hear your queer culture recs and ideas for queering the canon. Send us an email at thesisonjoan at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251. Come back for more interviews, fun queer content, recommendations, and discussions on current theater. Until next time, keep it queer. Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. It was at Williamsburg. Williamstown. And then yeah. Boy, like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's in Williamsburg. Too, I don't know. <laughs> I wish it. Oh, my God. Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.